Welcome to episode 55 of Sharing Life Lessons. This is season 6. We are one spirit, one soul. And together we are creating a library of stories and life lessons. I am your host Hamida and I want to bring you stories. Because stories inspire, stories teach and stories heal. Listeners, I don't even know how to say this to you because it is so coincidental, so freaky or insynchronous or whatever you want to call it, that our guest for today must probably be a soul relative of our guest on episode number 52, Claudia Sam, who is a soul coach from Montreal. When I was talking to Scott to briefly understand his story and what he wanted to share, my first reaction was, Oh boy, this is so similar to Claudia's story and experiences. And so I honestly told Scott that maybe if I bring him on as a guest, it will sound like a repeat to the listeners. It was then Scott who made me see the situation with another lens. He said, You have the female perspective on this experience. This is your chance to present the male perspective. And that totally resonated with me. For those who have not listened to episode number 52, I say, do listen to it, because I believe we have just stripped upon the universal solution. No matter what gender you are, the fact is that self-connection is the answer to whatever we are trying to resolve in life. For Claudia, it was being afraid of being with herself and of silence. For Scott, it was depression and being afraid of the silence. Not surprisingly, Both reach the same conclusions to get to the other side of their fears. So we may believe in many material and physical cases that man is from Mars and woman is from Venus, but in this case, both man and woman have the same soul, the same spirit, and once they are able to get in touch with themselves and their intuition, they are both free and limitless. Just speaking this message aloud to my listeners is so exhilarating. For full disclosure, Claudia from Montreal and Scott from Colombia don't know each other, which is why I can't get my arms around how two strangers can have such similar experiences. I wonder if I will ever meet my soul relative on Earth someday. I am wishing the answer is yes. Also, for a few minutes towards the end of the interview, you will hear some static when Scott is speaking. Please bear with that. Something was wrong with his connection, but I did not want to disturb him because he was so in the flow at the moment. And with that, here we go. Let's listen to the male perspective on how we can make life fulfilling for us through self-connection. Everyone, let's welcome Scott Spears. Hello, Scott. Welcome to Sharing Life Lessons. I know you are coming to us all the way from Colombia And you are my first guest from South America. So I am really excited. This is a global podcast and you are our global guest. Awesome. Thank you, Hamida, for having me. I'm I'm really excited to be here. And let me just make it clear, I'm not actually from Colombia. I'm from California, but I've immigrated here to, to Colombia. I love it. It's a great place. Thank you for having me. Right. And just before we started recording, I asked you if you were going to come back to the U.S. And I heard you say, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, that, that decision was made a long time ago, though. I've just had such a ball traveling all over the world. I've lived in 52 countries so far. 
I say so far because COVID will allow us to travel someday again safe. So right now I'm camping out in Colombia. I love it here. Scott, please start us off by telling us something about yourself. Well, I come from a small farming community in California, Central California. Usually when I say I'm from California, people think Hollywood or San Francisco or something. But no, no, little little small town called Clovis. <laughs> Not so small anymore. But yeah, I grew up there. I it was out in the country. I didn't have a lot of friends to play with and everything. So I was forced to use my imagination a lot. So I was a dreamer at an early age. I, I was dreaming of exploring jungles of Africa, the deserts of, of Arabia, being in New York City, all of these, <laughs> all of these places. I just knew the world was much bigger. So when I turned 17 and graduated high school, I went in the army. And from there, that's where my adventure began, which now has led me here to Colombia after living, I think, about three lifetimes, it feels like, mm-hmm. <laughs> with all the lessons I've learned along the way. And now that's why I'm doing personal coaching on my own program with Time Life Self. And that really leads up to self-connection, which is something I'm a, a big, big believer in that helps people just basically find their purpose and do what they want in life. And also on the business side, I'm doing a business consulting instead of doing a traditional business transformation, which I used to do globally, I'm doing more of a conscious business transformation, which actually brings more leadership development training in the wellness side of business. So many things are changing these days in our work environment, working remote, partly people working in the office, how to bridge different generational cultures, Gen Z, millennials, and Gen X together, and and focus on the wellness side on that too. That's what I'm doing now. That's amazing. And I am going to take the links for all of this. So if people want to reach out to you, they definitely can find that in my show notes. Great, for sure. Okay. Scott, can't wait to hear your story. Please tell us your story. Yeah, well, I I mentioned I joined the Army at 17. And, you know, I haven't even had my feet wet in the world yet. And my first duty station is no longer existing. (laughs) But it used to be a rapid deployment base where we could be anywhere in the world in 24 hours to carry out our mission. Mm -hmm. And my first mission was in Panama. And this was back in, oof. Here we go. 89, 90. (laughs) When General Noriega was running Panama and he was doing some bad things. And anyway, our mission was to take him out of power. And that was the very first time I experienced getting shot at. You know, I mean, we trained for it. We did so much training and everything. But when it's real life and you actually see the bullets and hear the bullets going by you, then it's a whole different story. And it's a real wake up call. I like to say, when people say, hey, where did you grow up? And normally you say where you're from, but mm-hmm. I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't grow up where I was from. I grew up that night in mm-hmm. Panama. And that night I, I made, the, and what, why I have to say this part of the story is because it really started my journey in life. And I made a promise to myself that night, looking up at the stars, wondering, heck, this might be the last time I ever see the stars, you know? And I've never really looked at them. And I've re- never really paid attention to, to little things. And I made a promise to myself that night, like, if I get out of this, I'm going to go see the world and experience all that I can. 
So in a way, that was my first step in learning mindfulness before mindfulness actually was really a popular thing. That was definitely a, a life altering moment for me. And then the next year we were in Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, Iraq for uh, Desert Shield, Desert Storm. And again, we were getting, instead of shot at, we were getting missiles <laughs> tossed over at us every night. And after my army experience, I, I decided to get out and try the civilian sector. So I went back to California, worked in Silicon Valley for a few startups, moved to Dallas, moved to New York City, got married there, moved back to Dallas. And one day I just found myself sitting in this house that, that I had bought, nice big house, had the car, had the family, had, you know, what everybody thinks the American dream is, right? Mm -hmm. And I just had to question myself like, okay, what am I doing? Is this all there is to, to what I promised myself when I was 17? Mm. You know, getting shot at, am I really... Um, honoring that promise to myself, seeing the world, doing all that I can, right. rather than sitting my butt on this sofa, watching TV, being comfortable. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so I realized I was living up to society's expectations, but not mine. So I started looking elsewhere for work. I was doing some consulting there locally in Dallas. And then I started to look internationally because I just missed the travel. And that's when I took a job in Egypt that I lived in Cairo for about three years. And that was amazing. Then I felt alive again. I found myself and everything was going great until I got divorced. That's a whole nother movie, whole nother episode. And, <laughs> and if you want to do a whole different episode on that, I'll be happy to do it because- Oh, that's a good one. Let me tell you, <laughs> I've done 53 episodes so far and there has been none on relationships. So I oh, am no, looking hey. for this very interesting person to tell us about their story on relationships. Well, I got a lot of them, so um, I can... <laughs> just putting it out there for you. <laughs> All right. Well, we can talk about that one later. Great. So after the divorce, I decided to jump back into consulting because when I, when I got divorced, I realized that even though I was in Egypt and I felt like I found myself again and I was working internationally and enjoying myself professionally, but I wasn't enjoying myself personally, because like a lot of people, we live our lives for others more than ourselves. And I, I took a step back and looked at everything going on. I was like, man, I, I don't do anything for myself. So I put the guilt trip aside and jumped it back into consulting. And that's when I started really traveling globally. I mean, in, in one week, I could be in London, Johannesburg and Singapore, waking up in the middle of the night, not even knowing where the hell I am. And it was great. I had a blast doing it. So after maybe 10 years, 12 years doing that, and they moved me to Latin America region about four years ago. And that's when things started changing. I didn't really enjoy the job as much as I did before. There were a lot of things that went into that. Uh, a lot of double work, triple work. For those who don't know what I mean, I mean, you deliver a project and then you hand it over and then they mess it up <laughs> two or three times. You have to go back and fix it and fix it and then deal with an angry customer, etc. Mm -hmm. Let me tell so, you, there will be many of our listeners out there who will resonate with that. Yeah. So 
you guys know what I'm talking about. And that just started weighing heavily on me. But with my attitude, my can-do attitude, which was always, we can find a way, we can fix this, we can... I, I enjoyed the part where I had to fix things. I just didn't enjoy the part where I had to fix the same thing mm-hmm. two or three times over. So one night here in Colombia, actually, I died. I died from burnout. I was working another project in Costa Rica. They called me here to Colombia and my attitude was like, yeah, I can do this. I can do this. I can do anything that they give me. It was always a challenge and it was a challenge for myself as well. But life has a funny way of telling you when you can't, when you need to slow down. Um, So that night I had to be revived. I was having dinner with some friends and was going to bed that night and just started having problems breathing. Got up and went to the kitchen. Luckily, my girlfriend at the time was with me and I collapsed and they had to they had to bring me back. Oh, so when you said I died, you literally meant you died. Yes, literally died. Okay. Clinically dead. Please tell, please tell us more about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's funny because every time that I talk about this experience, it's like watching a movie. The more times you watch a movie, you notice something different each time. And what I noticed before, because this is part of my growing process and, and something that helped me in the self-connection, because when it happened, I, I pushed it aside. Just like all things in my life that I didn't want to deal with that bothered me or things that happened in the past, I would just push them aside. I would never have dealt with them. So the same thing with this experience. So when I died, it quickly felt like I was just going to sleep, like I was fainting. If anybody out there has had the experience of fainting, and yeah, I'm a big wuss when it comes to needles. So anytime I had to give blood or get a shot or something in the army, I would always faint and always catch hell for it. But that night I just felt like I was fainting. And it was really weird because I could hear everybody in the room talking, kind of like when you're sleeping and you can hear people talking in the background. But I could also see a light. And that's something common that I've also looked into a lot of other people's near-death experiences. And they say they they see a light, they hear voices, blah, blah, blah. But the difference with my experience was the light was really far away. It wasn't mm-hmm. close. It was, it was just tiny, but I could see it was there. And, and then there was a voice. I don't know if it was male or female. It was just a voice. And I don't know where it came from. But it just said, hey, you're not done you need to get up. And when that happened, I noticed that the people talking in the background were like in a frantic talk. It wasn't like a regular conversation. It was like panic. Mm -hmm. And that's when I kind of noticed, okay, something serious is happening. Why am I sleeping? I need to get up. And then, and then right before I got up, the first thing that came to my mind was my daughter. And it was like, all right, I think I'm, I'm understanding what's going on. Okay, I need to get up and I'm not done because I have so much I need to teach my daughter about what I've learned in life because it's just too much for her not to know and learn from so she doesn't make the same mistakes and uh, go down some wrong paths. So I've heard about signs from the universe and I have received signs from the universe several times, almost on a daily basis. But this was a literal wake-up call from the universe. 
No, no, I have to disagree with you, Hamida, because I didn't listen. And this is why it's so crazy. And this is exactly why I'm doing the coaching now and focusing Mm -hmm. on business consulting and wellness where people can understand the signs of burnout and what they need to do about it. But I didn't listen. I focused purely on the physical self. Mm -hmm. I didn't focus anything on my mental self. I just looked at my physical body and said, okay, you're in shape. You work out every day. Something's wrong. We got to go figure it out. We got to go take the brain test, the cardio test, the the nervous system test, all of that. Mm -hmm. And I did. And I just focused on that. But I never looked inside. And that's where I finally had the wake-up call. Mm -hmm. I finally had the wake-up call three years later because... I continued with the same job. I continued with the same job that I wasn't happy with. I continued in the same relationship I wasn't happy in. I was stagnant. I wasn't working towards any goals or anything. I was just going through the motions. And it was about three years ago. No, no, no. Sorry. It was right before the pandemic started. I think October, November, 2019. Mm -hmm. And everything happened all in one week. I call it a tsunami of, I'll keep it clean, undesired circumstances. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and, and all in one week, uh, my girlfriend broke up with me. My, my employment contract expired, which I knew was going to happen, but I wasn't prepared to go from 100 miles an hour to zero. I was diagnosed with PTSD because I was having anxiety attacks after the near-death experience that I had. That's another whole thing. And my daughter's university funds were stolen. That's another movie. (laughs) So not only did I feel like a failure to myself, I felt like a failure to my daughter. That's when I, um, I spun into a deep, deep depression. And that's where the wake up call came. When I got into that depression, I figured, okay, I'll snap out of it. I'll continue doing all of my self work that I know how to do and everything. I was in a comfortable setting. I was in my apartment. I was just going through the motions and I didn't really pay attention to it. The wake up call really didn't happen until I looked in the mirror, getting out of the shower one day. This is about one month into the depression. Mm-hmm. And I lost 30 pounds. I think that's about 15, 13, 15 kilos or something. And I just looked at myself with disgust and I said, dude, this is not you. What is wrong with you? You know, you need help. And that's something that's so hard for, I mean, everybody, everybody to admit, but especially men in our society these days, we're, we're brought up, we're, we're basically trained to brush everything off, push it aside, keep going. Don't, don't show weakness. And I was at a point where I'm like, well, if I don't get help, I'm just going to deteriorate. I'm just going to disintegrate into nothing. I am so glad you're saying what you're saying, Scott. And especially the last bit about the men in our society. I cringe when I hear fathers tell their teenage sons something like, you're a young man and men don't cry. And like you said, our men have been taught in very early ages to brush their emotions aside and not show them. So Mm -hmm. I am so glad you are saying what you are saying. Because whether you're a man or a woman, you have emotions and those emotions need an outlet. Definitely. Definitely. They need to be out. 
you need to recognize them. And that's where my help went. I went to India. I decided I needed to go someplace that I've never been before. I needed to put myself in a, a theater, let's say, that I have no idea, no knowledge about. I'd never been to India. It was a big hole on my map. Mm-hmm. And I, I just made a, a quick trip that I didn't, well, not a quick trip. I, I spent a month there, but I didn't really plan anything. The only thing I planned was going to the, a yoga university outside of Bangalore, mm-hmm. where they had a lot of teachings on mental health depression, not just yoga as an exercise, but yoga as a philosophy, as a life philosophy. And it was so, so interesting. I mean, I didn't want to leave, but I took another trip. The only other thing that I had planned on that trip was to go do a Vipassana meditation. Mm -hmm. And for those who aren't aware what Vipassana is, is a 10 day silent meditation retreat. You go to an ashram, you lock up your phones, your laptops, your notepads, even your watch, mm-hmm. and I- anything that connects you to the outside world. And you don't speak for those 10 days. All you do is you meditate. And this is where I really came out of the depression and learned how powerful the mind really truly is by doing this, these 10 day meditation. So the technique, basically you do a, a body scan for an hour at a time. And you do this like, again, like eight hours in a day, not all at the same time, but one hour at a time. And when I would do this body scan, you're supposed to just pay attention to how your body is feeling all the way all the way from your head to your toe, every little millimeter. Mm-hmm. And the amazing thing that came out of this is you think you can sit down for an hour and not move and it would be pretty easy, but oh God, no. <laughs> you start feeling your, your back getting tired, your legs, everything, any kind of injuries you used to have. And for the first four days, I couldn't follow the instruction by sitting still for one hour. And I had a conversation with myself, said, Dude, you came all the way to India (laughs) to get all there is out of this and learn from it. Mm -hmm. So just do it. So I put my mind to it. And on the fourth day, I did not move. And my leg was screaming, I need to move. I need to move. But then I started having this inner battle argument between my mind and my leg saying, no, it's not your turn yet. I'm currently scanning in my head region. And I'll pay attention to you when I get to you. And when I did that, the pain subsided. Hmm. It didn't go away, but it decreased significantly. And when that happened, I was like, oh my God, this is that mind over matter stuff that everybody always talks about that I've heard about. And I'm actually experiencing it. It is very intriguing because you are giving us a real example of mind over matter. Yeah, definitely. And then as I continued the scan and got to the leg, I was, okay, it's your turn. So now it's just, I'm going to recognize the pain, acknowledge it, and then let it go and keep moving because I have to continue scanning. And then that was the click that was like, oh my God, okay, this is the correspondence to my depression or anything that you're having a hard time with in life. If you put all your attention to it, of course, you're going to be depressed. You're going to be feeling down. You're going to have anxiety, stress. But if you recognize it, learn from it and let it go and focus on other things that you have to do in your life, then it's going to go away. You're going to learn from it. So that's, that was uh, 
the biggest lesson I learned in India there. This is very interesting. So here's my question to you. You said, as far as whatever is going on in your life, you said, get aware of that it's happening to you, recognize it, and let it go. Is that those three steps? Did I get that right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Tell me which one, which step is the most difficult? Ah, okay. This goes into what I'm teaching now with the self-connection. You have to be conscious first and foremost, of what you are thinking about, right? Because our thoughts are so powerful. They can just overwhelm us. And before you know it, you could spend an hour just being stressed out over something that hasn't even happened yet or has already happened. But that's an hour wasted. Spend a few minutes to give it the attention and recognize it, like I said, why did this happen? And then learn from it. And then realize that, you can't do anything else about it, but learn from it. So let it go. If not, it's going to hold all your energy. If you let it go, you take your energy back. Mm. And that energy you need to propel you forward, to mm. keep going. Excellent. I love that. I'm thinking that probably is your life lesson number one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, self-connection is my main life lesson until I was able to connect to self and realize that I, not just me, but everybody should do this. Everybody needs to make time for themselves. We make so much time for everybody else, family, friends, work, and we're always the last ones. (laughs) We spend more time maintaining our car and our home than ourselves. Mm. So that's part of my coaching where I give exercises to people. I mean, these conscious exercises to raise the consciousness because it starts with that. If you're not conscious of what you're doing presently, then you're not going to be able to to get that self-connection. Scott, give us one tool from your toolkit on how to raise our consciousness. Some people call it vibration and some people call it energy but is there anything you can tell us on how we can raise that? Yeah, I call it the self-connection cycle. It's, it's three things, and they all correlate with each other. The first one is consciousness. The next one is mindfulness. And the next one is meditation. And you really can't be mindful unless you're conscious. And you really can't meditate unless you're mindful. All of those three are this cycle that you have to continuously be in. So the main thing on how to become conscious is something simple where you just set an alarm in your phone, set an alarm in your phone, maybe once every three hours, whatever you feel comfortable with and make that time just to take time out mm-hmm. and, and, and do a self-diagnosis, do a little self-interview. How am I right now? How am I feeling? Why am I feeling like that? How do I want to feel? And then you're already connecting. You're already making that connection. And when you make that, start making that connection, then you can start introducing the mindfulness because you're already connecting. How am I feeling? And then you can start concentrating on mindfulness exercises like doing mindful eating or just simply sitting at your desk if you're working and take a whiff. What do I smell in the air right now? Do I smell food? Do I smell the plant next to me, the flowers, my, my tea or coffee in front of me? Where did it come from? Things like that. Just to disconnect the mind from everything else, because we're always so connected 
And I mean connected by meaning connected to the computer, connected to the phone. I mean, when a lot of people take breaks these days, they feel like they're taking a break when they're actually not. They get up from their computer, they get away from work, and then they jump on their phone. Mm -hmm. They're still connected. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not making time for themselves. They might feel like they are, but they really aren't. So that's what I mean, taking that, getting that disconnect. And when you start practicing the mindfulness techniques, then it's much easier to meditate because meditation is hard. A lot of people just give up before they even give it a chance because they think, well, I can't sit down and and listen. I can't sit down and concentrate for five minutes. My mind is always racing and that's always going to happen. So that's why I always try to teach a movement meditation before people start getting into the sitting meditation. It's kind of a mix between mindfulness exercises and meditation. Wish this was a video and we could see you do that, but we can't. And so we'll let that slide. I'm listening to this three-step process that you're talking about. And I guess it, it would mean we need to practice this. And once we practice this, tell us what you think we will start feeling or what the output or the result of this three-step process would be? A lot of us go through our lives without realizing or knowing what is our purpose. I mean, it's it's just funny, kind of like when we ask kids, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? Knowing they're going to change their mind 10 million times before, (laughs) you know, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up, but I do know now what I want to do. And I only learned that by taking time out to disconnect Mm -hmm. and focusing on myself. And, And when that happens, you start getting in touch with your intuition, that little voice, that little voice you may have ignored all your life becomes super clear, super loud, and just tells you what you need to hear. Then it's up to you if you want to listen to it or not. And that's part of the practice. That's part of the connection. I love how you've brought us full circle to intuition and the messages. Once you get there, listen to your intuition. It's one thing to do it for yourself, but it's also another thing to teach your children from the very beginning that there is such a thing as intuition and why it is important to listen to your intuition. So Scott, if you have a reason for us why intuition is so important and why we should listen to our intuition, then please go ahead. It's freedom. When I finally got in touch with my intuition, with my true self, I felt so much lighter and doesn't matter what's going on in the world right now. I mean, all the stresses, I mean, pick one. <laughs> we just turn on the news and, and easily get overwhelmed with some depressing stories. It doesn't bother me. Nothing bothers me anymore. I'm not perfect. I'm not in this monk mode. I still have a lot of work to do, but compared to how I used to be, I just feel much lighter. Nothing really bothers me. I'm able to put things better in perspective. And even my stresses, I mean, I got a lot of problems I'm working on, but they don't bother me. They're not stressing me out. I'm not depressed over it. I know what I have to do. I have a plan and I'm doing it. And that's all I can do. So that to me is 
the best thing out of this whole self-connection, getting in touch with your intuition is just the freedom that you will feel. I love that, Scott. You've given us your beautiful story and how it led you to doing what you're doing right now. And you've given us so many processes in this interview. And finally, the last final process into how to get in touch with your intuition, which I personally love. Is there any final message to the listeners or anything you want to say that I may not have asked you about? Yeah, I would just say that if you feel lost, there's help out there. There are so many people out there that, that have coaching experience in, in different perspectives, different methods, different ways. I mean, I have my way. I have my program that's worked for me through my experiences. And I seek help always daily. I want to learn something new from somebody every day. Don't be afraid to ask for help. It's not a sign of weakness. It's only going to help you and propel you in your life journey. Scott, I have done 53 episodes of which maybe in half of the episodes, I've said there is no shame in asking for help. And I am so glad that you have reinforced that idea. Thank you, Hamida. Thank Um, you so much for this opportunity. I just love to share this information as much as possible. Absolutely. And thank you very much for coming on as a guest. This was a very enlightening discussion. And I hope to bring you back for another episode on relationships. Yeah, let's talk about that. That one will be entertaining, everybody. (laughs) Great, Scott. Thank you again. Thank you so much, Hamida. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to this discussion as much as I enjoyed having it. It is easy to tell when I am having fun. And I'm sure you could tell that I was having a lot of fun talking to Scott. Here are my key takeaways from this discussion. 1. Most people live for others than for themselves. This they do by living up to society's expectations and not their own. 2. If you put all your attention to any physical pain or mental issue, then of course you will experience more of it. Like they say, where focus goes, energy flows. On the other hand, if you recognize it, acknowledge it, learn from it, and let it go, then you can get your energy back, and you need that energy to propel forward in life. And lastly, consciousness, mindfulness, and meditation make up the three steps to the self-connection cycle. Scott has methodically explained each step to us in this discussion. If we practice these three steps, then we will be able to achieve self-connection, which in turn will enable us to get in touch with our intuition, which will make us feel free again. This brings us to the end of this episode. I will bring you another episode of Sharing Life Lessons next Wednesday. Until then, be happy, be safe, and be well.